Welcome to the Earthside Podcast with me, Lisa Masters. I'm an online birth mentor helping women make the bold choices they want for their births through conscious preparation. You can connect with me via my Instagram and Facebook, Earthside with Lisa Masters. Or find out about working with me to transform your birth at earthsidebirthservices.com.au On this podcast, I talk with women who have committed to doing the work to transform their births and their lives. And we hear how their intimate and inspiring stories of birth preparation have shown up in their births and continue to even after. today's podcast, I talk with Emma Kubler, who shares with us her first traumatic birth experience and the vulnerable story of how her second birth did not turn out the way she hoped. Emma tells us how owning her decision making has meant a transformation of her life and her mothering and shares with us what ultimately led to her discovering a sense of freedom. Welcome, Emma. Hello. Thanks for having me, Lisa. You're really welcome, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with you. So where does it all begin for you? Well, I'm from a large family myself and always wanted a large family for myself. And when I fell pregnant with my first son, I thought that I'd been around enough pregnant women and been around enough babies. I asked for a little bit of help from those closest to me, from my sister who had had her four already. And I was told that it's all good. She didn't do any work. She didn't do any reading. It just happens. uh, And there's nothing you can do about it to change it one way or another. Birth happens to all of us. So I didn't seek out any help for my first birth with my son and It was traumatic and it ended in an emergency caesarean. And so when I fell pregnant unexpectedly with my second child, I was scared. I did not want to be pregnant, not because I didn't want another child, but because I did not want another pregnancy of being unsupported. And I was not ready to approach birth for a second time because I had very neatly bottled away all of the trauma and upset from my first birth experience. And I was in no way ready or willing to open that bottle anytime soon. Mm. So I spoke to a close friend. She was virtually the one person who I trusted and could speak openly to. And she already knew it was coming because after my first birth, uh, she was the only person who had come to visit me in the hospital. And I had said to her, I do not want another child. And then several months after that, I had said to her, I have decided I do want a sibling for my first child, but I do not want another birth experience for at least five years. So she knew it was coming (laughs) Mm. when I was suddenly pregnant unexpectedly. I went to speak with her and she said, have you heard of Lisa Masters? I said, no, I haven't. Um, 
but that's where the journey what? started. I know. I'm sorry, Lisa. <laughs> How uninformed and naive. I mean, gosh. <laughs> so funny. Uh, uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> so I jumped online and I logged into your website. I had a look at your page and read basically the transformation package where you said, are you ready for this? This is what it's going to take. This is what you'll be up for. Are you ready for this transformation? It's not just going to be solely about birth. It's going to reach further than that into who you are and are you ready for it? And I just remember clicking over every time you had to click over to the next screen and going, yes, I want more. I want to read more of what this woman's got to say. It's like she knows me. <laughs> and so I couldn't wait to get started with you to unpack what had happened in my first birth experience, but also just I was desperate. By the time I had heard of the work that you do, Lisa, and had made contact with you, I was well into my last trimester. I was about 32 weeks along in my second pregnancy and had had 32 weeks of fear-mongering and a complete lack of support and once again just falling through the cracks when your first birth has ended in an emergency caesarean you are immediately high risk and you are under the care of obstetricians and I did not know at that time that I could ask and expect what I wanted and needed from the system. So I was at the mercy of the system purely because I didn't know any better, as naive as that may sound. It's what they lead us to believe though, isn't it? So it's not, not naive, it's just, what we've been taught to expect. Mm. Yeah. So I really had no idea of how to change that. I felt like I was on a path, almost just locked into a set of train tracks and absolutely no way of changing my path. And I could see before me, well, obviously what obstetricians had already expressed to me in no uncertain terms was that I would be having a planned caesarean for my second birth, that that would be the only safe way. I was having a, a plethora of scans additional to what would normally be suggested. And I just was, I think because of the trauma from my first birth, purely just being in that place was causing trauma. And so each time I would front up for an appointment, it just caused such anxiety. And there was very little joy in that pregnancy for the fact that I felt like I was headed for <laughs> death row is what it felt like. And there was no way to, to get off of that path. So it was frightening and claustrophobic, <laughs> to say the least. It's awful. When I had contacted you, my thought was that what I wanted and needed you for was to set me on the right path for my second birth to redeem my journey and to find a healing experience in my second birth. And when an obstetrician told me that I could not have a natural birth, I almost decided, well, I don't need to work with Lisa. It's not going to produce the vaginal birth that I desire and therefore I don't need this work. That's, that's the only reason I need this work. 
and I don't know if you remember Lisa but it was a phone call with you where I discovered that regardless of the birth outcome of my second birth I needed this work I needed this work to delve into that first birth I needed that work to feel peace and calm in what remained of my pregnancy the two months that remained I needed that work to continue the journey after my second birth regardless of how that birth turned out for me I knew that as I continued on in life I needed this work for me to grow as a person and as a mother also who understands herself better for her children mm. when we began meeting together it became very apparent to me that firstly I did need to deal with the trauma of my first birth and really for me that was just acknowledging it I had not had a space and that had been two years almost 18 months since that birth experience in the 18 months since my first birth and in speaking for you I had never once had a space where I could speak openly and freely without feeling judged I've never had that safe space to completely open up and share with someone who truly does understand what had happened for me in that first birth I had spoken about it I had tried to speak about it with some people and even those closest with me just didn't understand there was a lot of silencing even from people who loved me they just didn't understand they didn't know what to do with it and how to react and so perhaps if we say it's okay then it'll all be better and it'll go away or perhaps if we say that every woman goes through it and you'll be okay with fine that I'll stop the victim talk <laughs> so I had never acknowledged in my first birth that I had experienced trauma and it was only when I spoke with you that I felt I suppose justified is the word with everyone else it had felt like the expectation was that every woman has these experiences and you will work through it just like the rest of us have so it was very freeing to finally speak to you and have that space provided that space that was safe and understanding and valued what the experience that I had to share mm, I'm glad but very practical as well I had been sort of lassoed and pulled along by the hospital system and for people who are outside of Australia you may not understand just how limited our birth choices are and how railroaded we are into certain decisions we have very few choices and the moment your pregnancy or birth has one additional complication as deemed by medical personnel your choices are further diminished until you feel like you're just a passenger on a train going somewhere that you don't want to go but you do not know how to get off and in my very first meeting with Lisa I came to realize that it was my choice I was being made to feel like it wasn't my choice but it was my pregnancy my baby my body my birth and I could do something about it and 
your your advice, Lisa, is um, very practical. And so I was able to set forth on a journey where I could make slight changes to my care. I learned that I could say no and I could well, demand um, for and advocate for myself. I could expect to see the same obstetrician each appointment if that is what I desired. I could choose when my appointments were. I could choose to not go to my appointments if they were not helpful to me or my baby. How easy was that for you? Oh, no, absolutely. So I knew what I had to do. In speaking with you, I came to understand that I could make choices, that I could advocate for myself. However, I don't think I'd ever done that in my life <laughs> in any circumstance not personally, not professionally. And so suddenly having to <laughs> stand up for myself and demand the care that I knew was due to me and my baby and to go out of my way to forge my own path was very difficult. I was... I'd say I was almost born a people pleaser and to demand what you know is rightfully yours, that, that was just not, that was not my way. <laughs> my way was to just go along with what I was told and do what I was told and to keep the people who I had never met before perfectly happy <laughs> and to respect every decision that was made on my behalf because this person must know better than me what needs to happen in this circumstance. So to not question but just to ride along and trust. I knew that I did not want to go through birth as I had experienced it the first time around and yet in some way, it felt easier <laughs> than completely changing essentially who I was and challenging what I had always, the way I had done life. Yeah, I mm. remember the first time that we had had a meeting and then I think we'd also had a phone call and I knew that it was now or never. I had to stand up for myself and say that I wanted, in this case it was, I wanted this same obstetrician and I wanted to see them for each appointment. I was not interested in being palmed around to people who I had never met before. I wanted some form of continuity of care. And this wasn't outrageous, it was still very much within what the hospital system would deem as normal. But that is how poor the quality of our care is, that I would never see the same obstetrician. And so I knew uh, that I needed to seek change. And when I was leaving, I went to reception and I said, I need to see this obstetrician and I need to see them for every appointment. And I was met with, I'm sorry, we can't do that. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I thought, you've got no idea how much I've been shaking like within myself. I'm, I've got a cold sweat. This took everything in me to come and tell you that I need to see this obstetrician each appointment. I can't be palmed around anymore. And I... I couldn't leave. I knew that if I left, I would stay on that path towards a second birth of trauma and disappointment. 
and and so I stayed there and I asked to talk to someone else, which was huge for me. Mm. <laughs> I just don't, mm-hmm. I don't do that sort of stuff. And look, our system is broken. And did is I? Is it? Get, well, yeah. you know, <laughs> I said it on, I said it on my last <laughs> interview and I'll say it again because, you know, that's what we say. We say the system is broken, but is it? Is it just perhaps working exactly how it works? Because it's not about you. It's mm. about how it works for them. Mm. But when you step up and you say, actually, I'll need to make this about me. Yeah. Thank you. Suddenly, then you feel like it's broken, but only because you're challenging it. You're, you're mm. challenging a system that is set up not to serve you. Mm. And I think that's the hard thing to realise too because you've got to bring it for yourself Mm. and you're going to be met with a lot of pushback on that too because it isn't convenient to run systems of this size for individuals. No. So tell us how it worked out. I would love to say that it was the fairy tale ending and in a way it was because these are all steps on our journey of transformation. We need to step up for ourselves in small ways and in great ways. So that Mm. was one of the very first steps for me to put into action what I was learning when meeting with you, Lisa. So I did. I stayed there. I saw someone else. I had my wonderful hormonal pregnancy tears and made a beautiful puddle on their floor and I think just to quieten me they obliged and and said that they would give me that appointment but such is our system that I did not see the same obstetrician for each appointment and as I worked more with you Lisa I realized that Perhaps that wasn't my goal to see the same obstetrician. As your vision starts to clear, you can set new goals for yourself. And I realised, why am I holding in such high esteem this obstetrician? What is it that I need from this obstetrician that I am holding them in such a high position and seeking to see them only? what I realised was what I actually deeply needed was continuity of care. I needed someone who knew me and who cared about me. And I was able to get that through a small group midwifery practice. I did get someone who was familiar with me. I didn't Mm. have to enter hospital, which was just, I could breathe again. Mm. I could have my appointments in my own home. My son was treated beautifully by Mm. the midwife who would come to see us and would just bring him along on this journey of checking up on baby and loving baby and getting excited for baby's birth. So in that way, I did get results Mm. Um, but it wasn't what I thought it would be I think my view of pregnancy hospital care birth were all so badly formed and broken and damaged from my first experience that what the ideals that I had for my second pregnancy were nowhere near as beautiful as what it could have been and what much of my pregnancy and birth and post-birth experience did end up being and it was just in that constant work of meeting with you Lisa reading materials and doing my own research and discovering just how much beauty and security there can be in birth in pregnancy And my transformation journey continued 
through that birth and almost actually culminated after in the post second birth experience. So after my first birth experience, which resulted in an emergency caesarean in which I was told that I could not birth. Emma, you're tired. Emma, you're not progressing. Emma, if you continue like this for much longer, it's not going to be healthy for you or the baby. It's time for an epidural, Emma. You need to have this now for you and for the safety of your baby. After that experience and those words, what I thought would bring healing and peace was a vaginal birth. And so that was, that was my goal. And that didn't happen for me. My birth did not result in a vaginal birth after a cesarean. And once again, I had to rip open all of the wound of my first birth, which I thought I had dealt with largely in that second pregnancy and go even deeper into myself. Yeah, so here I was trying to once again address this trauma of two years ago and now I had another newborn and a toddler to deal with and a husband who had his own trauma to address and didn't realise <laughs> that he had his own stuff that still needed to be sorted out from the first pregnancy. Hmm. So, yeah, I journeyed through. Obviously, what I wanted was that vaginal birth. And when all of my effort, all of my thinking was towards a vaginal birth and to succinctly tell the, the story of my second birth, the birth of my second son, I laboured at home unassisted and my ideal was to birth in my home. It was a long posterior birth and much of that was spent in my beautiful big tub at home. Knowing that my husband was nearby and Lisa was also in attendance. But after a long and intense labour, I did encounter a huge amount of pain with hemorrhoids and it far surpassed the pain of labour. I felt like I had worked really hard with Lisa and really intentionally to understand labour, to understand those waves, those surges, to work through them. And I was not some <laughs> picture perfect beautiful woman singing through those surges, but I was taking power back and making the birth what I wanted it to be. And, and then the pain of those hemorrhoids just, it got to a point where I didn't feel I could continue. It wasn't labor pain. It was the pain of, the pressure was just immense. And so I decided to go into hospital, which was not a part of my plan. And once I reached hospital, I took gas and it just, it just wasn't enough. Nothing could dull this pain. And in that moment, I made the decision to have an epidural 
which was a decision that I did not want to make. However, at that point in time, I felt like that's what I had to have to deal with this pain. And as I already knew would occur from my experience of my first birth, all labour ceased. And despite coached pushing, I could not deliver my baby vaginally. And to get really vulnerable, I do remember that moment when they told me that I would not be birthing my child vaginally. And the pain of that moment was immense. It was one of the most heartfelt cries that I have ever given in my life because the past two hours had been <laughs> almost this fake, you can do it, Emma, you can push this baby out, you're going to have your vaginal birth. And then being told, oh, sorry, baby's not actually there, you're not, you're not going to push this baby out. And just knowing that I had to then endure this cesarean, which was the whole, I, that was my whole purpose of working with Lisa, at least that's what I thought it was, was to avoid this, was to avoid getting wheeled in there and getting cut open for a second time and having to deal with a newborn whilst dealing with a healing scar from being cut in half. So... I thought I was very happy after that second birth. Regardless of how it had happened, I felt somewhat elated. In my first birth, things had gone haywire to a point that my baby needed to be taken into special care. And my husband was so unwell with an infection that he could not be by my bedside. So I had no husband, no baby. So I was very alone in post-birth after my first birth. And so here comes this second birth. And despite the fact that it has been another emergency cesarean, I'm cradling my baby, which is in my arms and not being taken from me. And I'm accompanied by my beautiful husband who's been with me through the birth. So in that moment, I felt elated. It was, it was healing to have that experience of birthing my baby and then having a baby, not being stuck in a dark room <laughs> alone mm. and not knowing what your baby looked like. I had my baby, I had my husband and my little boy could come and visit his little brother. So everything felt right and it wasn't until 24 hours after I just could not sleep. I couldn't switch off. I was in the hospital bed and I just couldn't stop questioning myself and pressing replay over and over and over again about the decisions that I made because coming into that second birth, I was adamant that the one thing I did not want was an epidural because I knew the effect it had on my body and I knew that it was a negative effect that stopped labour. So I couldn't sleep it just threw me into turmoil <laughs> and that went on for weeks and weeks. I'm very good at compartmentalising life and I am very good at sweeping things away that I don't want to deal with right now. And so partly that's what I did. However, I did have the beautiful support of Lisa. <laughs> and what I loved most of all, Lisa, was that you said it how it was. So I was trying to gain answers at the hospital. 
I asked to see mm. the obstetrician who had overseen my birth. I wanted to see her. I, I wanted straight answers. Why didn't this happen? What went on that prevented the vaginal birth that when I presented to hospital was held on a silver platter in front of me and told that I was going to get this. What happened between me coming in there fully dilated to me having my second cesarean birth. And I was just given all those medical reasons of why it didn't happen for me. And none of them sounded right. They just all sounded like excuses and trying to make it okay. It's all right. This is very normal. This is what we expect. This is what happens. From the time that I walked in, I knew that I wanted to be in charge of that experience and for some aspects of that experience, I do believe I was in charge because as I was working with you, Lisa, I knew that I wanted this second birth to occur in my home. Mm. And the only reason that I would need medical help and to go to a hospital would be if I needed intervention for pain. And that is why I fronted up to hospital. However, I, I think deep down I still held the view that if I went to hospital, the midwives would have the experience to be able to help that birth to happen vaginally. Mm. And unfortunately, what happens a lot in pregnancy and birth is you don't realise the deep-seated fears and, and beliefs that you still hold until you're put in that position. So, for example, for me, I did not realise the extent of trauma that I had experienced around having vaginal examinations. Mm. In my first birth, I had been adamant that I did not want vaginal exams because I knew that my waters had broken very early in a labour that was disjointed, I suppose you could say. It wasn't flowing because of the posterior birth in my first labour. And when I went to hospital, I was, I was held down and my, my husband and the midwife on duty were made to hold me down whilst the vaginal exam was performed against my will. And Lisa and I, we had spoken about this and it was when we were doing the birth plan that I realised part of that trauma because all of a sudden I went, I don't want vaginal exams and I was just absolutely adamant <laughs> that on this birth plan it needed to say I do not want vaginal exams because I had said it, I had verbalised it in my first birth and it had happened to me. So surely if I write it down this time, it's on paper. It wasn't until I was in hospital and really I suppose that is the whole, that is where it fell apart. It's because the obstetrician entered the room and what's the first thing she wants to do to assess my labour and my progress? She wants to perform a vaginal exam and I absolutely lost it. I absolutely fell apart and although I knew that trauma existed around that experience, I had no idea the depth of my fear of it happening again until I was there in that room 
And that is ultimately, that is why I chose the epidural because I could not face having that experience again. And somehow for me, after a very long labour, in the headspace that I was in and the place of vulnerability, I thought perhaps if I can't feel it, it'll make it okay. And so I chose to have that epidural so that I wouldn't have to endure that vaginal exam. That's where it hinged for me. So the immediate reaction for me was to just block it out, I suppose. And it was only in conversations with Lisa that I could open up that bit more because I just knew that Lisa would be real. Lisa wasn't making excuses or trying to make me feel good about myself. <laughs> we were just working through it honestly and openly. And at first I didn't like it. I obviously, I actually preferred the hollow answers of medical staff that didn't question any decisions and wouldn't take on any fault of their own, absolutely. But Lisa, you, when I was in that position, where I was going to ask for an epidural, you did stop in that moment and you did ask me. So I could clearly see the, the catalyst that was that decision. My first birth is still murky and it's still a work in progress working through that experience. However, my second birth, despite not going the way that I had hoped and planned that it would, the work that I did in that pregnancy and leading up to that birth enabled me to work through that birth clearly and thoroughly as opposed to the first birth where I just still, I still to this day can't see things clearly because I, in my second labor experience, I felt present and I was driving the experience and I was the one making decisions. And so perhaps what I really struggled with after that second birth was accepting that I made those decisions. And so the outcome sits with me. And that's why I didn't want to face up to it. And that's why sometimes I didn't enjoy our conversations, Lisa, because I knew that you were being real and you were saying this was the choice that you made. What would have happened? Well, my I constantly would question myself what would have happened if I made a different decision? What would have happened? <laughs> but you were very good in bringing me back to what did happen. This is what we're working with. This is what's happened. What have you learnt from this and how will you move forward from this? And in all the work that we did in a short time leading up to that second birth, I actually feel like even more work was done after that birth and you were there for me through that also in the post-birth experience as well. It hurts to own our decision making sometimes when it hasn't worked out the way we we want it to and mm -hmm. and when we sit in that discomfort that's full responsibility. Mm. It's actually immensely powerful I think what we ended up coming to, and I, I mean, you'll let me know if you don't agree, but I feel like in that trying to make sense of it afterwards, each decision you made, you really knew what you were making in the moment. 
-hmm. you had clarity and you had conviction and it was all very situation based. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly remember afterwards you saying, what if I had never gone in? Mm -hmm. And I said, sure. Okay. Let's play it out. What would that look like? You knew that you made the right choice for you because you couldn't even have a vision. You were like, Oh, I can't, I can't see anything past the pain I was in. Yeah. And I love this conversation. I love what you bring to it. I love the ownership you have of it because sometimes it's really hard when I think this, we encounter this a lot in, you know, preparing for a, a natural birth or an unassisted birth that it can feel so wrong to say, actually, I chose something I didn't want to choose mm. because it was right in the moment. Yeah. And we want to run away from that because mm. it doesn't look like we, what we wanted it to look like. And these are the hard conversations. These are uncomfortable conversations. These are uncomfortable learnings because we, we don't have that exact happy story of the vision that we wanted and mm. what do we do with this? And so yeah. what have you done with this? What have I done with this? It took a long time to truly deal with it. Isn't that the way probably with so many things in life you think that they're dealt with, but they're ongoing. Absolutely. And so it wasn't until about six months after that second birth that we were on a family holiday and I was crying every night. And my poor husband said, what, what are you upset about? And I said, I'm, I'm just crying. I'm crying over the birth of our second son. I still felt such sorrow that I had not achieved that vaginal birth, which is what I had wanted. And, and that's your right. That's your right to want that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can own your decisions and feel sad. Yes. And, and that's it. It's that realisation that it's okay. I think it was 10 months after the birth of our second son and I caught up with a cousin who is a beautiful soul and knows me well and it was through her delving and delving and just digging that little bit deeper that we came to the conversation of birth. She's not a mother and doesn't plan to be. And she provided this space of complete understanding that there would be no judgment that I could share openly and that I would be heard. And in speaking openly those clouded thoughts in my mind finally came out that my issue with the birth of my second son was that I had failed, that I had failed my son, that I had failed myself. And it was it was the penny dropping for me, that fear of failure that I had had my entire life and that desire to achieve and to win the approval of those who I loved was still there within me. And the realisation that I'm not upset with myself for the choices that I made in that second birth. If I reflect now, I can reflect clearly and know that, as you've said, Lisa, I made 
the choices that were right for me in that moment in time, in that circumstance. And we can pick at it. I can run it around in my head and say, but what if, what if? The fact of the matter is that I was in that circumstance of having hemorrhoids and that pain being unbearable. And the choice I made was the only choice that I could see in going forwards. However, my upset and my turmoil surrounding that birth was not in the choices that I made because I had complete clarity in every choice I made. My upset was that I would be judged by others, that there would be my sister saying to me, you should have just had that planned cesarean or other people saying things or thinking things. I had this whole other world going on in my mind of how other people would view this, that I never should have tried, that I'd tried and failed, that I'd put myself and my baby into danger. And I could just hear all these ugly voices. And that is where the turmoil was occurring and what I thought I had dealt with in my journey of pregnancy, realizing that I'm a people pleaser and a yes man, which I thought I dealt so much with and I had to a degree, I suddenly realized in birth and postpartum, I realized just how deeply seeded these ways of being and ways of doing were within my person and had been since childhood. And I don't think I'll ever forget that conversation with my cousin in that moment because that is when I suddenly got freedom from the pain of that second birth. Yes, it still sucks that I didn't have a vaginal birth and that will always suck. It's never going to go away. If I could do it again, I would make the same choices. So there is this, as you call it, a nuanced sort of emotional field around that second birth of Mm. seeing the learning that came from it and still yearning for what I felt should have been. But there's more learning to be done and pregnancy and birth just are a catalyst there. It's when your hormones are absolutely through the roof and you are really vulnerable that so much change can happen. And I look back at my pregnancy and birth journey, my second pregnancy and the birth of our second son and the growth that happened in such a short space of time of working with you, Lisa, was phenomenal, the growth that occurred. And regardless of the outcome of my second birth, I'm a changed person. Now, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to fall pregnant again, but gosh, I know how I do it now. (laughs) I know now that I am in control of my body and my birth experience and I am the one who can make choices for myself and those choices don't even have to align with what we view as normal in society and it does not matter if there are other people outside looking at my choices or my decisions or the path that I'm taking and casting their views, 
because what matters is the choices I'm making for myself to stand up for what I want and what is best for me and my baby. And no one else can tell me what's best for me or my baby. I know intrinsically what is best for me and my baby. So the growth and the learning and the journey, it's hard to say it, but I probably wouldn't change my second birth purely for the freedom that it has given me from that trap of the fear of failure and my ability to now walk through life with so much clarity of the person who I have a tendency to become very quickly if I'm not intentional and thoughtful in the choices that I make. What a, what a powerful story you've shared with us. And I'm really grateful because I know it's really vulnerable to share the hard stories, but when you have moved into a space that you have moved where you have stopped judging yourself and therefore there is no need for anyone's approval when you tell this story. That's right. And when I was first presented with this opportunity to share my story, Lisa, what almost held me back was my immediate thought of who will be listening to it and who could possibly know me might hear this, but more so what might listeners think of my story. But you know what? It just doesn't matter because it's my story and it has helped me to grow in life. And I almost feel like that's just the way it's meant to be because it's just the time when you're coming into motherhood, which is one of the most beautiful and challenging roles that we can ever take on. And to grow so much within myself to become a better person when I'm raising children is just so important. It is. Thank you so much. Is there anything final that you would like to share before we finish up? I don't know. (laughs) What I would like women to know is this work is about so much more than birth and I can say that because I've experienced it. If the work that I did with you, Lisa, was purely about a birth outcome, it would have been wasted time because the birth outcome that I desired was not what resulted. But the work that we did together was not limited to the birthing experience. It was transformative for the way that I now do life. And it has brought me a great deal of freedom to work through my second birth experience with clarity and to walk forward into life realising that I am still that strong woman who held my ground in that hospital that first time and I am still that woman who made my own choices throughout that second birth and now I'm the woman who has taken ownership for those decisions and those choices and regardless of what other people may think or say, I can have confidence knowing that to me the only opinion that matters is my own and not fearing failing on someone else's terms. It's sort of, it's dropped away a lot of expectation and pressure that I suppose I once may have had upon myself 
in so many areas of life. Yeah. I'm really grateful and really honoured to hold your story in my life. Seeing all of your clarity and wisdom about yourself shine through has been extraordinary and I'm, yeah, I feel really honoured to be part of it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm so happy you could join us. If you would like to know more about how to transform your birth, you can connect with me via my Instagram, Earthside with Lisa Masters. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it in your stories and tag me. That's all for now. Until next time.